All right, fellows, we are back one more time with Professor Mark Palestin from Martin Luther College. Uh, he's talked about all kinds of things so far from continuing education and learning um, to what he does in ministry and all kinds of awesome wisdom on that front. Uh, but today we're going to talk mostly about masculinity and manhood, and I'm super excited to share this with you. Um, I think he has a great definition and a great viewpoint on what masculinity is, particularly as a man of God. And I think of anybody I know, he might be the one who embodies it the absolute most. So uh, with no further ado, this is your last episode for now with Professor Mark Paustian. Uh, but before we get started, if you like what you're hearing with Professor Paustian, you can find him on Facebook as Mark Paustian. He would love to hear from you, hear your feedback, answer any questions that you have. So feel free to reach out to him if you'd like to. But here we go. Last podcast talking about masculinity with Mark Paustian. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, so kind of going into the last phase then of what we were hoping to talk about here. Um, what? Uh, so you're you're a runner. Do you still do a lot of running, or uh, when you're when you're healthy? <laughs> The PhD work was not kind <laughs> physically. You spend all okay. that time in in books and writing at a, at a pace you never thought you would be capable of. And yeah. So the answer is I am not in the best shape. But it is life. something that you, you, you do find a lot of value in and you've Absolutely. dedicated a lot of time to it. Sure, years, sure. It's a big part of my life, definitely, yeah. distance running and, uh, and you've coaching talked, it too. You talked about how just wildly important your family is to you mm-hmm. um, which is apparent just watching you guys which is awesome um but uh disciplines that young men should master are there any and maybe that question's unclear but if you uh any disciplines you think young men should master no i i like the question i in fact i it's kind of what i was thinking of when i went down that whole path of sherry turkle mm-hmm. so the discipline of reading the discipline of solitude, unhurried time with Christ in a devotional life, the discipline of, of uh, <clears throat> the discipline of friendship, as I as I described as disconnected time mm-hmm. with people with whom you are connecting, um, and I you know I like the question too because for another person, the issue of disciplines might sound legalistic or sound like we're going to. So you should do this or should do that. I I just don't think it needs to be. I think um, to inculcate a disciplined life is really a huge part of what we do. So I don't know if I have more to say than than what I said just about reading and devotion and communication and solitude. Um, And obviously I do believe in being physically active and 
that kind of thing too. So uh, sorry, I don't have a profound answer for you. No, that uh, that yeah. was very profound. Oh, it was well, profound. Okay, yeah, the uh, well, and, and I <laughs> like what you said about it cannot be legalistic. And I when I when I emailed you, I think I phrased the question: men like disciplines men ought to pursue. Like there there is a choice, and there are times where you have to make the choice that you're not like you're going to step back. Sure. Um, and uh, so like I I find great value like as we kind of talked about. And you find great value in that physical disciplines. Mm-hmm. So finding something where you are pushing yourself and maintaining your health as a temple. Yeah, I think it certainly can come from a yeah. heart of faith, a heart set free that looks, person looks at his life and right. says, what are the things I'd like to see myself yeah. regularly devoting myself right. to? And you arrive at a gospel sense of disciplines, I think. Yeah. No. And when, as you go through phases of life, there will be a time where you have to step back from one discipline or the other, or you can't pursue it with a full heart at a certain time or whatever it might be. Um, and, and just understanding that there are not trends, there are pulses, maybe is the right term mm-hmm. in life that you're, you're going to go through different phases of life and it's going to look different in different ways too. Well, sure. So I'm, as I said, 55, I can now have senior coffee and this is a strange thing to contemplate how this even happened, you know, (laughs) and then you have to kind of adjust your disciplines and now it's more about walking. Yeah. (laughs) I never really thought that walking would be something I would think of as uh, healthy and so on because, you know, I was such an avid runner for my whole life, but things change. Right. You know, things change. Yeah. And, and and when you take like a, a lifelong mentality and approach to those things too, um, where like your the end date on these disciplines is the day you depart this earth. Mm-hmm. Like that also helps to frame that too. Definitely. Um, so when you're 25, like I'm 25 years old. So sitting at 25 years old and saying like, how do I shape the way I work out or the way I read or what I'm doing with my time, um, understand that the end date is not, you know, the day I get married or the day, you know, I can walk away from teaching and podcast full time or the day, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that might, whatever the goal might be. It, understanding that's not the end date. The end date right. is my departure from this earth and how can right. I best prepare for that day and how can I, no, that is, how yeah, can I best prepare? Definitely. And I suppose the other side to the question of discipline is, the discipline of eliminating certain things from our lives, too. Mm. I, I've just come to think lately more and more about alcohol, and I've just been thinking more and more about it's a poison. We're just pouring poison into our bodies. Yeah. And that, I mean, to be legalistic about that issue, I just think an awful lot of people are trapped, and I think that the personal growth and development in Christ that you are so keen on, I I tend to think when a person uses alcohol to a certain level, they just put the pause on all of that development. They mm-hmm. they throw away hours and hours of their time. And, and again, not to be sort of have a law cast to this, I, I think there's a discipline to realizing my life is short and um, I want to make what contribution I can through Christ while I'm here and I just don't have time to throw hours away into that fog. You know, it's 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 poison. We're just poisoning ourselves yeah. and ravaging our bodies. And so the other side of discipline is is that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and technology, like we talked about before, oh, fits into absolutely. that too. Like how much time, and I 
100% am the chief of sinners in this department is how much time do we just throw away staring at a screen, mm-hmm. you know, and what value is it actually adding to my life? Mm-hmm. And uh, then, like, I'll even tell myself lies like, well, you're trying to build a social platform. How long does it make, take to make a post? Like, put a post up and get off the phone, you know? Um, <laughs> or, like, Netflix is killer. Like, how, is. Many, how many weeks have I just wasted where all my personal time I was staring at a screen? What did I learn? Something I could have learned in three minutes in a book, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and there is a place for it, like Saturday night, Friday night, and you need some entertainment, your brain is shot, you're just waiting around to go to bed, like you're not going to do anything else mm-hmm. that's useful, yeah. throw on a TV show and watch. Sure. But sure, sure. Uh, watch a movie every once in a while with your friends or with your kids or whatever. But when it becomes, you know, I can't wait to go home and watch this. You know, right. just, there's something out of balance there. Yeah. Something it's out a, of balance there. Boy, there's a famous book by Neil Postman called amusing ourselves to death have you heard of that yeah and just to think that he was writing and i don't even know when now 1970 probably 60 and already talking about the the creep of entertainment into every facet of life you know from journalism to education to politics everything has to be tintillating in that way and Mm -hmm. to, to think how prophetic he was how much time can you throw down the tube nowadays it just isn't isn't the same as drinking your cup, drinking drinking the cup of your life and living yeah. it. Um, so much idle distraction, so much yeah. time filler. So yeah, the other side of discipline is is the things you want to get away from. And yeah. um, I suppose yeah, if you they, they go hand in hand. So if I can carve out time, like for example, to be with my family at the supper table disconnected time at the supper table yeah. regularly always um that is just going to have this huge payoff in how i raise my children in the legacy of communication how i raise my children you know after supper we had this for years we would have supper and we would open the bible and just read the next few verses from the gospel or the, whatever book we're in whatever epistle we're in and Typically, the idea was we would just discuss and let the talk go where it would go, and most of the time it would kind of dissolve in laughter. We, would, <laughs> we can't even pray a Luther's evening prayer because we're just laughing at some goofy thing that uh-huh. came up. But, but um, that's a discipline—the yeah. discipline of the supper table. That, God willing, our kids will never forget that that's what we did at supper. You know. Um, so I don't know, even know where that came from, Charlie. Just yeah, I just can't remember. <laughs> just trying to think. The question of of habits, yeah. questions of the things you build into your life that are gonna are going to bless you over time, mm-hmm. over over years and decades. Yeah, I think that's where that maybe came from. Right. Um, and, and this is this is a definitely a guiding question. But uh, as we as we start winding down here on this interview. Um, you work with a lot of young men that are headed toward ministry um, and a fair number that, you know, end up not heading toward ministry mm-hmm. and not, no fault of their own, just sure. the Lord intended them for other things. So um, as you work with particularly the fields you work in where you're preparing men to share the gospel and then preparing men and women uh, to be able to communicate interpersonally, so both from the pulpits and interpersonal communication, um, do you find yourself having any uh, like critical conversations over and over again? Or is there something, like if you could make a public service announcement, 
you know, what what would that be if that does that make sense? Is that a good Yeah, I, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know where I'm going with that? Kind of well just take of. it and run with it. Wherever you want to <laughs> go with it. Uh I've if you could I've gather all if you could gather every <laughs> Lutheran high school kid in America into one room <laughs> and give them one piece of advice. If you could give your last lecture, do you have any piece of advice you'd give? Anything that pops into your head? I'm trying to think of an answer that we haven't dealt on already. I mean, my answer yeah. would be it would be the flat out brilliance of the sentence by the Apostle Paul, for me to live as Christ. It's just a brilliant sentence. For me to live as anything else you put in that spot is going to... Um, as David Foster Wallace, are you aware of him? I know the name. He gets quoted a lot lately. Gave, uh, a secular thinker who gave this famous commencement address in which he said, basically he says, you're going to worship something, so you better think long and hard about who you're going to worship or what you're going to worship. And, oh, wow. and he talks about worship intelligence you're going to feel like a sham a fraud worship worship wealth and possessions is never going to be enough worship beauty is going to be taken away from you bit by bit until the end comes and he just says you better think long and hard about who or what you worship because he says these gods are going to eat you alive <laughs> and he's just very famous for a secularist having that awareness of the human person as a worshiping creature who's going to have something ultimate mm -hmm. or someone and so the apostle saying for me to live is christ is just there's just nothing else to put in that spot but christ anything else going to destroy you it's going to be out of whack it's going to be terribly um imbalanced unleashing unleashing the worst of us yeah. but for me to live as christ only then, as I said before, can you say it's a die's game. Only then does death not bring the gradual taking away of everything. <laughs> bit by bit. <laughs> but it brings to you that which you said life was about from the start. And so to have what I would say to any man is it's about Christ. It's it's you're just not gonna find anything to live for that will surpass or rival what it means to know him and and again it's not about willpower not about you and i making him first it's about being ever more deeply absorbed in the gospel by which he reveals himself to us as that thing that mm -hmm. one that that one and only um, yeah so yeah i would i would say to any man spend the rest of your life understanding that verse you know cool yeah all right, two questions for you. The big, okay. the big wind dingers. I don't know why I've <laughs> been using that word, but I started on the first podcast. I'm sticking to it. Uh, two questions. First one: If you could go back and talk to your 18 year old self, just fi spend five minutes with him and give him a piece of advice, what would you say <laughs> to him? Oh my goodness! Um, I would say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. It's it's gonna be okay. <laughs> I would say you've been you've been given a cup to drink that you're gonna figure out one day is perfect for you in every way. The set of circumstances God has designed for your life, pour it in. They are to die for, and so if you could just bring a little less anxiety, a little bit more gratitude to 
to awesome. your life of prayers, you know, do it, do it now. <laughs> cool. Something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then there's also something to that idea that you, you hear, you'll hear people on both sides of the aisle going, everybody's special. And then on the opposite, they're going, nobody's special. Well, the reality is God created each one of us very unique and very special. And the people that truly like show themselves to be the most unique and, and special in all the right ways are the people that embrace the role that that the Father has given them mm-hmm. and lean into it and just get after it. Those are the people yeah. that turn out to be the coolest or the, <laughs> you know, the, the, everybody's looking at them like, oh man, you know, like, because they took what they were meant to be, what what Christ, yeah. the path that Christ laid out for them and just said, all right, let's run it. I think so. It's it's very different than setting out to be creative. Yeah. I'm going to be so creative right now. It's, yeah. it's a paradox. Rather, it's when you find that thing that is so much higher, which yeah. is the honor of Christ and then all creativity and individuality is going to be drawn on, you know. When you lose yourself into Christ's identity, bam, Mm -hmm. there it is. Well said. Cool. Yeah. That's one of those times where you say something, you're like, where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question. Um, Here we go. What does it mean to be a Christian man or what what makes a Christian man? Wow. um, What makes a Christian man? How long is this answer? I mean, how long is it? It's up to you. <laughs> okay. Got all the time in the world. Well, there there are some interesting places to look in the Bible in that question. Um, I, I think probably, for me, the most disciplined answer would be to think about vocation. So um, how does the scripture describe the vocation of a Christian man? Um so, so I have a wife, and I'm blessed with two girls. Um, the The scriptures would say, and a Lutheran way of saying this is that God puts me on as a mask. He puts me on as a mask. He hides behind me. Why? To see to it that they have what they need, and to see to it that they are loved. And this idea of God hiding behind the mask of my callings brings Him so close so much a part of our daily reality it just it kind of takes your breath away and so so as i look to the charge in scripture toward the christian man i gravitate toward ephesians 5 husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and it talks about you know no man hates his own body he loves it his body cares for it he cherishes mm-hmm. it it keeps it warm so so your wife you know so so i have to think at the heart of being a christian man is Growing into through Christ the capability of answering that calling, so I I like to be disciplined about this. I don't want to run ahead of scriptures. My mind does go to a man who is who is um, protective and who is gentle. A man who um, advocates for the people in his life. A man who who stands up. I th- I. Th- I think close to the core of a biblical model of a Christian man is the speaking part. Is it a man who, unlike Adam, who apparently is clear, was standing right there when the Eve when Eve is being tempted. He was standing right there. If that's what it says, Adam who was there. <laughs> yeah. He was right there listening and not saying a word as that disaster unfolded. And so... That's the appalling silence of a man not 
not speaking the truth of of God of Christ in a situation. So I think men finding their voice is going to be close to the core of yeah. There's a trick of the language. I don't know. It just happens to be that the word for male is zachar in Hebrew. Here's my Hebrew hat now, and it just happens to be that the word for remember in Hebrew is zachar, and. I, so there's a guy who wrote a book all about this, assuming that this is sort of intentional and not some accident of the language that says it goes to the essence of a Christian man to be a rememberer. So without hanging my hat on the, the yeah. language thing there, there's something to think about. Um, if male headship is that God speaks and the Christian man remembers what God has spoken so that he can draw on that to speak to his family, speak to his friends, speak a word that comes from Christ. There's something, I think something there, because men, again, it can be stereotypical, but men who are maybe a lot of us built around being competent and being you know, um, being good enough for what life is asking of us, we, we can tend to become the workaholics who will gravitate towards certain things in life where things are in our control. We can predict them. And if I do more of X, I get more of Y results. You yeah. know? Um, and that men can then to tend to retreat from the places that confuse them. And that can be relationships. That can be their own children who are struggling. It's just it's confusing. And a man in his agony is the man who is saying, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just that, that that feeling of incompetence is so disturbing to him that I think a man is called to show up and to be present anyway and to speak what he knows about Christ and God's word in those situations. Mm -hmm. um, this writer I'm referencing would say, there's not a plan to follow, there's a person to trust, and that is Christ, and I will, not always having a plan, I will... Um, make it my task to reflect him in some yeah. way. So again, my answers are kind of driven by how the scriptures describe the calling of man in home and church. Yeah. So a Christian man is growing in the ability to inhabit that mask. Um, and there's something about the speaking and the headship. Now the interesting biblical data here, um, if there's ever a guy in the Bible that is described as a real man, do you, do you want to guess? I don't there's one guy who's described as in a very vivid term. I'm, I'm thinking about Boaz, actually. So wow, yeah, Boaz in the Book of Ruth. It's he's described in Hebrew as Ish Gabor Chayel. So Ish is man, Gabor is kind of mighty. Yeah, it's sort of like David and Goliath were the Gabors. So they represent their armies in the yeah. field of battle, and so that's kind of the mightiness of Gabor. And Chayel is like strength or army, and so. So Boaz is described as this mighty man of valor with just a really huh. rich expression. But then you say, what does that mean for Boaz? Um, up to his time in the Bible, that term would have described warriors. It really would have been the warrior. And that doesn't fit Boaz. He wasn't a soldier. It's not what he was. Yeah. Um, some think, well, that phrase can also sort of attach to someone that's supremely wealthy. And Boaz was probably done okay financially. He had servants. Yeah. Um, but there isn't 
there aren't a lot of other indications that that's who he was. It, so some would say that Boaz is sort of a one story that kind of redefines. Huh. He's described as a real man, and so what is that profile? Um, and it's Boaz. It's a lot of things. It's Boaz who who steps up to take care of this family of Ruth and Naomi. Um, Boaz who seems to intuit what the God of the covenant, a faithful God of Israel, would want to happen, even though the situation went way beyond anything the law prescribes. He yeah. just understood what God would want to happen. And it, so what that Moses didn't say it had to be a certain way. He steps up as the redeemer of that family and, and takes takes the disaster of this little family of Naomi and Ruth and just takes responsibility for it. Yeah. And he makes it his. And he and there's, uh, I don't know, it, and a resourcefulness to Boaz and an attentiveness. Who He prays for Ruth, you know, may she find shelter under the wings of the Lord. And then the second he's done praying, he goes to work for her, making all that happen. So I think that it would be an interesting profile of the redefining of what a man is in that book in a certain, yeah. in a certain way. Uh, and it's something about in tune with the faithfulness of God, ready to step up and be faithful himself to the needs that are um, unveiled around him. And he also has a way of speaking. So Boaz too has that, uh, it's just a total unconscious, yeah. unconscious piety to Boaz that, he opens his mouth and he's praying. He opens his mouth yeah. and he's speaking blessing on somebody or other in just a really unconscious, unselfconscious kind of way. So Wow. Yeah. Um Awesome. That was excellent. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was excellent. Um Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Cool. There's, there's more, I'm sure, but Yeah. Yeah. All right. More to think about always. Well, we appreciate having you on the podcast. This has been an awesome interview. Um, it's really, really enriching uh, conversation just between the two of us and yeah. happy to share it with others. So. Well, I've enjoyed this too, Charlie. Thank you oh, for Thank you. Having me. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U N G E M A C H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four and five star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.